You are listening to the Resonate Church Sermon Podcast. Resonate is a collegiate church planning network in the Northwest. If you'd like to learn more, please visit us at resonate.net. Hey, Resonate, have you ever had this moment where you're facing a tough decision or a dark moment and you're just asking, what do I do now? I think about our series, Going Through the Valley, and as we look today at Gideon, we're really going to look at someone who was in this moment and was faced with a significant decision and was asking, what do I do in this moment? And I think like you and me, we've all had those things where we're asking a significant question, what do I do right now? This is tough. How do I respond to this? How do I get through this difficult time? I think about comeback stories, and sometimes we know these these stories a part of our culture. You think about J.K. Rowling, about uh, her being a single mom on uh, welfare, the teacher writing Harry Potter at night and, and getting rejected over and over, getting rejected 12 times before she's ever published, right? And then all of a sudden, there's something that happens, and now we know the international phenomenon that is Harry Potter, right? But it didn't always start that way. There was a tough moment of being able to say, can I get through this, right? Think about Steven Spielberg. And one of the things that most people don't know is he was rejected three times to get into film school, right? But we think about him as being one of the most significant um, you know, directors of all time. But it didn't always start off that way. Think about a guy like Walt Disney. Walt Disney, we know Mickey Mouse. We know the the empire that is resorts and theme parks and films and television studios and retail. But when he launched his first animation company in 1921, it went bankrupt. And ultimately he was way over his head in in debt. And he had to sell one of his prized cartoon character, Oswald the Lucky Rabbit. (laughs) We don't know who Oswald is, right? But we do know Mickey Mouse and Minnie Mouse. We know, um, you know, Snow White, but even they, they were criticized by uh, producers saying, hey, this is just not going to work. And yet, now we know Disney as a household name. Maybe more than all of those, let's all tie it back to Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Dwayne Johnson was a football player in the Canadian Football League until he got cut. He just wasn't good enough. And all he had was $7 in his bank account and he heads back to the United States and he lives with his mom and dad until one day he discovers his great passion acting in the form of professional wrestling. I know that's a hot button topic right there, but that's Dwayne The Rock Johnson, right? The phenomenon that we know as Dwayne The Rock Johnson. And we think about what happens in these moments. And as we think about what do you do when you're face-to-face, and maybe it's not that dire for you, but maybe there's something that's weighing on you and that's causing anxiety. There's something that you're like, hey, this is a hard thing. How do I get through this? I want us to look at one of the most significant stories um, in the Bible, a story of Gideon. It's only two chapters long. It's found in the book of Judges. And in the book of Judges, uh, basically chapters six through eight, we get the story of this guy named Gideon. And this is just rich with just some significant principles for us to extract and be able to say, okay, what does it look like for us as we begin to navigate difficult times? So you can turn with me to Judges chapter 6, verse 12. We'll start there and we'll kind of go throughout this text a little bit. This is going to be uh, just a really cool story. 
chapter 6, verse 12. The angel of the Lord appeared to him, big deal, right? And said, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Now, if you're going to read from the backstory, you can recognize that the word mighty hero, the Lord is with you, is, is almost ironic in this. Um, that he is an Israelite, <clears throat> and they are being really just threatened over and over by a group of people called the Midianites. And the Midianites would travel around and they would go to where they were having uh, really harvest and they would attack the group of people. They would take their harvest. And really that's the life that they lived constantly in fear of the Midianites. So what Gideon is doing is he is taking and he is threshing wheat, not out in the open, letting the wind blow away that, that chaff, but he's doing it in a wine press. Why? Because he doesn't want to do it in the open where they can see him. This is not someone who seems like a mighty warrior. And the idea that the Lord is with him is something that Gideon wants to confront this angelic figure and say on his own. It says this in verse 13, Sir, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened? He's a little salty about this. And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites, right? So he's like, hold it. The whole script of how life was supposed to go is not going the way that I thought it was going to go, right? In fact, we were promised, like the Lord brought us out from the Egyptians, brought us through Egypt, brought us into this amazing land, right? We are in the promised land and here we are and now we are just being attacked from a different group of people, right? How is this what the Lord intended when he brought us into the promised land? You might be asking the same thing. Hey, I'm following Jesus and I'm doing what he says, and it's not working out like I wanted to. Like there's some failing life plans that I have, and I am frustrated by this. Gideon, he has some connection with you on this, right? So he's like, how has this happened? And I think about all these ideas that really are at the core of what we think is going to happen in the comeback story, right? When we are confronted with a difficult moment, right? When it's dark, when we begin to think about how do we become something? How do we emerge with this idea that we had and the plan we had for our life? You think about these three things. One, you think about the idea that we get told, believe in yourself, right? Believe in yourself. Don't lose hope in yourself, right? Continue to believe that you can do it. I mean, this is like, this is the thing, right? Believe in yourself. This is what we hear. Number two, keep trying, right? Keep trying. Go after it time and time again. And then we hear, don't lose hope in the future. And that's kind of like that script, right? Those are the three things. Believe in yourself, keep trying, and don't lose hope. And that's all of what is really put into the, here's how you make your future. Here's how you become who you want to be. Here's how your reality is ultimately changed and put into your control and you can ultimately make what you want for your life. And so you can make these life plans and you can have this idea that my life plan is ultimately going to be carried out. But what happens when you begin to recognize you don't have what it takes. You just don't have the capacity. You're not built to do that thing that you have this dream for. What happens when you just get exhausted, when you've tried and you've tried and you've tried and you're like, I'm kind of done? What happens when the things don't get better? When you keep going and it just doesn't seem like things are getting better. When we come face, face to face with this tough moment, what do we do? And this is what Gideon's saying. Mighty warrior, the Lord is with you. And he's like, what? It doesn't feel like the Lord is with me. 
And I think some of you and, and, and myself included were asking, sometimes it doesn't feel like the Lord is with us. And here's what Gideon does. Here's the rest of the story. In verse 14, then the Lord turned to him and said, go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. It doesn't get more clearly than that. Go take with the strength that you have and go rescue your country. That seems bizarre, right? 100,000 of these Midianites, they're going around terrorizing people. It seems bizarre to Gideon too. Here's what he says. But Lord, he replied, this is anytime there's a promise of God, Gideon responds with a but, right? But Lord, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh and I am the least in my entire family. The Lord said to him, and these are the clear words. This is the promise of God. This is something that we need to lean into. I will be with you and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. There's a lot of clarity as to what God says, this is what is going to happen. This is the clarity of what is ahead of you. And, and we get this clarity in the Bible. We get this clarity of what God is going to do. But in this, God is speaking to Gideon and he's saying this specific thing. Gideon says, okay, hold up. Um, I, I actually need a sign. And so he goes and he prepares a snack and he brings it back to this angel. And basically he says, hey, if this is true, um, you're gonna have to do something. And so he, he does this thing and it's very clear. There's a sign that happens and, um, and Gideon's convinced, right? And so the, uh, God sends him or the Lord, this angel sends him back with instructions. And these instructions are to really clearly understand that, that God is in control of this and to be able to say this to these Israelites. And the reason that why he's allowed the Midianites to attack them is because they've wandered away. They've begun to worship other things. They've begun to worship Baal. And uh, Baal was this God that is a created God. And so there's this altar and this, this Asher pole. And he says, I want you to cut down this Asher pole and I want you to use the wood to burn down the altar or to, to create this sacrifice. And I want you to take a bull and all this stuff. It's a big deal. And so he does this, but he does it at night because he's still scared that God's not going to show up in the way that he's ultimately going to get to that destination that, he's, that, that God's clarified, right? So he does this at night. So then what happens is that Gideon is, um, and the, the town erupts. There's, there's chaos, right? When Oftentimes when we do what God is asking us to do, not everybody's excited about this. But what happens is that Gideon's protected. And Gideon's protected in this. And God continues to say, I'm, I'm going to continue to, uh, to press you towards what I've called you to do. And we get this in verse 36. Then Gideon said to God, if you're truly going to use me to rescue Israel, as you've promised, prove it to me in this way. Okay, so uh, again, God has done repeated things to this point, but the idea of what is ahead of Gideon is so crazy to him that, that his faith needs to have a lot of crutches built into it. So he said, prove it to me in this way. I will put out a wool fleece on the threshing floor tonight if the fleece is wet with dew in the morning, but the ground is dry, then I will know that you're going to help me rescue Israel as you promised. And that is just what happened. Gideon got up the next morning and he squeezed the fleece and wrung out a whole bowl full of water. It was very clear that God fulfilled his end of the bargain. Then Gideon said 
to, to God, please don't be angry with me, but let me make one more request. Let me use the fleece for one more test. This time the fleece is going to be dry while the ground is going to be wet. And that night, God did as Gideon asked and the fleece was dry in the morning, but the ground was covered with dew. Now, what we begin to see is Gideon has a real courage problem, a real belief problem, a real faith problem. And what I want us to get is, is this, is that ultimately, He's having struggles trying to say, hey, there's something really bad happened. God says, I'm going to use you to do something significant to this. And Gideon looks around him and says, I just don't know, God. I just don't know if you're going to show up. I need you to prove it and prove it and prove it. Here's what I want you to get about the Lord that you serve. Is that he desperately wants you to be pulled into a trusting, secure loving relationship with him. And while he wants your faith, he meets you where you're at, wherever you are at. Gideon was someone who God was going to use. But God began in a place to build Gideon's faith step by step by step. And here's what Gideon did. He kept pressing in. Okay, God, here's what, here's what I want to know. And we use this phrase, um, you maybe have heard it before, putting out the fleece. And I think even today, we read this and we're like, oh, that's how I determine the will of God. And, and we think about, okay, God, I, I want you to do a sign. If you really want me to do this, I need a sign. And, and honestly, what that says to us is we are as weak in our faith as, as Gideon. And that's not the point of the story is to say, hey, here's how you determine from God what God is going to do. The story is there to prove why we don't need a fleece. The story is here to be able to say God is trustworthy. The story is here to be able to say when God says go, we have faith to be able to say that he is going to be on the other side of anything that we would do. This is what this whole story is helping build the faith of those who follow Jesus. So over and over, this is what, this is what God is building in us. Being able to say, if I've promised this, I'm going to create the way by which this works. And for you to be able to see the things around us as ways that I'm at work, right? And so over and over, this is what, this is what we see, that God is always at work around us. Even if we don't see this, right? I think about the, the silly story of this man whose uh, boat um, capsized, and he was stranded on a, uh, on a deserted island, and he began to cry out, God, rescue me, rescue me, God. And a, fi a fishing boat comes near and calls out, do you need help? And the man calls back, no, God will rescue me. And then, uh, and then a bigger ship comes and they call out to him, um, do you need help? And the man calls out, no, God will rescue me. The man dies and he goes to heaven. And when he gets to heaven, he says, God, why didn't you rescue me? And God's like, I sent two boats to you, right? Silly story, right? But oftentimes, we're asking, God, why don't you show up when God is at work around us? And we have to take steps to be able to say, I, I, I see, and I'm going to say, I'm going to meet you on your terms to be able to do this. So what happens is that, um, that Gideon finally says, okay, I'm going, to, I'm going to move forward with this. Now, this, this is what happens. Um, he is gathering an army, right? So Gideon, the least of these, uh, somehow 
he has enough influence to gather 32,000 men. 32,000 men. Now, they're still outnumbered, but that's a large force, right? 32,000 men. So, Jerubbabel, that is Gideon. This is, um, this is uh, chapter 7. Uh, and his army got up early and went as far as the spring of Herod. The army is of Midian. Uh, were camped north of them in the valley near the hill of Moriah. And then the Lord said to Gideon, you have too many warriors with you. Okay, so what happens is that um, God says, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make you victorious over this group of people that have been persecuting you, right? I'm gonna show you all these things. And then all of a sudden, 32,000 men show up. And here's what Gideon's thinking. This is God's provision. This is what God is doing. This is going to be the power displayed by our ability to gather these people and we're going to have an overwhelming force and we're going to conquer the Midianites. And then God continues to speak to him. The Lord said to Gideon, you have too many warriors with you. If I let all of you fight the Midianites, the Israelites will boast to me, they save themselves by their own strength. Now we gotta get, this is what God is after. God is not after our comfort, but after our dependency that leads to our joy, our deepest satisfaction. And sometimes it causes us to be in places where we are not relying upon our own strength, right? But we are resting in the strength of who God is. And this creates deep difficulty because sometimes that's a hard faith place to be in, right? So here's what he does. He says, therefore, tell the people, whomever, whoever is timid or afraid may leave this mountain and go home. So 22,000 of them go home, leaving only 10,000 who were willing to fight. 10,000. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this um, to Gideon, right? I'm gonna, I'm gonna make you victorious. It's gonna be like you're fighting one man. All right, 32,000 people. That, that seems like that's enough. Okay, now we're taking 22,000 of them and they're leaving. Now they're down to 10,000. But the Lord told Gideon, there are still too many. Bring them down to the spring and I will test them to determine who will go with you and who will not. When Gideon took his warriors down to the water, the Lord told him, divide the men into two groups. In one group, put all those who cup water in their hands and lap it up with their tongues like dogs. In the other group, put all those who kneel down and drink with their mouths in the stream. And here's what we see. Verse six, only 300 of the men drank from their hands. All the others got down on their knees and drank with their mouths in the stream. The Lord told Gideon, with these 300 men, I will rescue you and give you victory over the Midianites. Send all the others home. Imagine being the guy who says, I'm not scared to fight. I'm here. I'm one of the 10,000. Let's get it on, right? And then he goes and gets a drink in the stream and realizes he's been disqualified from fighting. Uh, this is a bizarre thing. Think about, think about how crazy Gideon must sound, I'll take you, not you, you, not you. Why? Because you, you, you did this and you did, you know, you did that, right? So that, that's this weird kind of decision-making, right? I can't imagine that he seems like a better battle commander because of making that choice of who. I'm sure that there's guys who are very well qualified to go fight who just drank water the wrong way. This is so clearly the way that God works, right? There's moments in our lives where we're like, I don't even see how this could be God. This doesn't seem like God could work this way. This seems completely insane. But we see this time again in Scripture, time over and over. It would have been helpful, right, if God would have said, hey, here's, here's what I'm going to do. 
you have this like like overwhelming thirty thousand, even on a hundred thousand. That's going to be um, you know power against power. Actually, my tactic is one where they're going to create chaos. And but God never explains that, right? Just like in our lives, oftentimes how He's going to use us to accomplish something is not something He explains to us. He waits on our yes, right? When we're trying to determine determine the will of God, oftentimes what he does is he doesn't give his will for our consideration, but for our participation, right? That he waits upon his yes before that next step. He waits upon our yes until that next step is clear to us. So he begins to say, okay, here's what you're going to do. You're going to blow these horns. You're going to take these, you know, shatter these pots and going to have these these torches. And what's going to happen is chaos. And that chaos is going to create something where this battle begins to happen and the battle is an army against itself. And then there's going to be people who flee, right? So this is not even a battle. That God creates victory out of a way that no one would have thought. That no one could have planned, hey, this is what is going to happen. But God orchestrates something ultimately to say, this is what I'm about. I'm about you understanding what I am doing. And if we don't have our radars up to be able to see what God is about, what we do is the same thing culture does. We take and use those same things. I got to trust in myself. I got to just keep trying and I just got to hope for the future. But what Christianity says is this, is that you don't have to say it's all about me. You can, you can ultimately understand that it is, it is not about you. It is, it is not you who are doing this. The story of Christianity is that you can't that you know you're not, that you can embrace your inadequacy, that you don't have to hide. You don't have to present well, right? You don't have to be all that you need to be, right? You don't have to measure up. And this flies in the face of everything in our culture, right? But everything in our culture says, hey, you have to be the person that has the goods. The weight is upon you. The pressure is on you. You are going to create your own story, right? Your life plans have got to be created by you. And so the pressure And the significance of the anxiety and the worry begins to rest upon our shoulders. And this is what we get from the world around us. This is how you make your life into the life of your dreams, right? But the life of the Christian is, I don't trust in myself. I trust in God. My effort is effort, not to my circumstances necessarily, but but to be able to know who holds my circumstances. And my hope is not in that this, there's going to be some sort of a luck and this all works out, but my hope is in the security I know in Christ. I think it's amazing. You think about these success stories and I love hearing about people who've built stuff. And, and one of the guy who interviews, um, his last question to every guest is, tell me if this was luck or if this was hard work. And when everybody talks about this at some point, they say, well, there's some hard work in it, but ultimately it's luck. So can we kind of get this reality that we can work really hard, that we can try, we can believe in ourselves, we can hope to the future, but at the end of the day, we have a choice whether to put the weight upon our shoulders and to manage the anxiety that comes with that, or to be able to say, God, you can live my life better than I can, that I don't have to be somebody, that you're already enough, and that I can put my future in your hands, and I can sense my job is to know you and to be able to understand what you are doing and to believe the first statement, oh mighty warrior, I am with you. This is what God says to you. And so in this, as we think about this idea of are we seeing the 30,000 
from the world's point of view, this is how we overcome our problems. Are we seeing the 300? Are we seeing this idea that ultimately our our, our future is determined by our ability to grit, to be able to, to do it all by ourselves. Are we seeing this completely other thing that God's going to do something that we could have never understood, but our responsibility is to say, yes, Lord, lead me. Our responsibility is towards intimacy with him, to build our faith, to be able to have a quick yes, to be able to say, I am responsible for obedience to who God is. And this is what God has called us to do. I think about the story of our church. That God, that God says, we want you to do something on the college campus, right? To be able to focus this, to be able to start a church. We'd never seen this before, but we just said, yes, we'll try it. And all these people around us said, no, this is not going to work. What about money? What about leadership? What about wisdom? We didn't have any of that. And yet ultimately God says, I'm not going to do the 30,000. I'm going to do the 300 way and begin to open up doors that begin to surprise us and use people that were clearly inadequate. And one of the things that God does is this, he just shows you not how you are competent, but how you are dependent upon him. In every moment, in every way that God uses people, here's what we see, Paul, we see Peter. The story is not that you have clarity that you are enough, but you begin to realize that God is enough. And you have a moment that humbles you. You have a moment that you recognize, and it'll happen whether you want it to or not. But the question is, are you going to be crushed? Are you going to be empowered to dig deep into Christ and to be able to say, where I am not enough, I know that you are enough. Where we come out of this full of joy, flourishing, without the weight of being able to say, I've got to figure out my own life. It's the story of our church. And I want that to be the story of us over and over and over. For us to be able to understand this is what this is about. You see, all those people that did great things, they're still, maybe they've arrived, but oftentimes, even in that arrival, there's something that's missing. Because even when our life plan works out, when it's outside of us finding our security in Christ, it's still a hollow victory. I want you to be able to look at, look at this guy named Gideon who wasn't enough, who had a situation that was difficult, but he kept pressing into God. And even though his faith was small, he continued to say yes. And ultimately he became the leader of the Israelites. As the least of this tribe, as the least in his family, someone who allowed there to be 43 years of peace because he simply said, I'll take God at his word. And I hope you will too. When it comes to those tough moments, I hope that you will lean in and say, God, I'll take you at your word. May we become that kind of people, flourishing, thriving, living in joy, because he is guiding all of our steps forward. Let me pray for us. God, may you overwhelm us with your faithfulness. Would you show us the next step, Lord? And would you protect us from saying, I need to know the whole thing. I need to know the whole map. Lord, I pray that you would... Take in us that little faith that we might have and that you would meet us where we're at and continue to grow this so that we might be found in you fully, completely in joy and deep satisfaction. We ask this in your holy name. Amen. Love you guys. Thank you for listening to the Resonate Church Sermon Podcast. 
If you are a college student in the Northwest, or if you simply want to see college students come to know Jesus, please connect with us by visiting Resonate.net.